Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we read and discuss a collection of comic books or a graphic novel. I'm your host, Dallas. I'm Alexis. And I'm Anne. And for today's episode, we will be joined by a very special guest, Sammy DeMonster. You may know her from comic book TikTok. And we're going to be discussing Rom V and Felipe Andrade's The Many Deaths of Lila Star. So, Sammy, how are you today? Uh, sleepy, but very yeah. good. Thanks for asking. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Um, thank you again so much for doing this with us. I am a huge fan of your TikToks and I... I knew you liked this book. I wanted to talk about it with you. Um, for any of our listeners that are unfamiliar with you or haven't seen your TikToks, could you tell them a little bit about yourself and maybe your comic book origin story? Totally. Um, by the way, thanks for having me. Uh, pretty cool to be here. Love your TikToks. Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> my comic book origin story, um, well, my entire life I've been a nerd in the, in the, in the, when I was three and a half, I was in the Harry Potter fan club at my local bookstore, and my mom made me like a, a, a screen accurate, a, as much as she could, cosplay. So I was cosplaying every weekend since I was three. <laughs> um, love it. Grew up nerdy, loved Halloween and costumes, and loved superheroes. I remember loving uh, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. And then I loved like the DC animated shows, and I'd always been like a, like a small fan. You know, I loved the characters. And then in high school, I think I picked up my first trade paperback at a Barnes and Noble, which was Teen Titans, a kids, a kids game, a child's game. One, I don't remember the exact name. And I was like, "Whoa, this is awesome! This is just like Young Justice, but more." Um, and that's when it started in in high school. And then every once in a while at uh, Barnes and Noble, I would pick up a trade paperback or like order one online, and then. Um, it, it like grew a little bit, and then in the pandemic, I downloaded the DC, um, the DC Infinite app. So then I started reading way more comics. I was able to like finish out reading DC Bombshells because I had only been able to afford a couple trade paperbacks when I was a teenager, and I still had them, but I wanted to expand. And then uh, I started working for a comic book shop, and that's when I started, you know, having like, a pull list and paying attention to weekly comics. And now I have a short box that's almost full. Um, and uh, then I started making TikToks, and and now I make TikToks, read comic books a lot. So they have a way of doing that. They sink their hooks in you yeah. for sure. I feel like every comic book fan I know is like, "Yeah, I thought it'd be neat to check one out, and now I've got credit card debt, and it's yeah. great." Yeah, <laughs> relatable. All right. Um. So yeah, like I said at the top of the episode, we are talking about the many deaths of Lila Starr. I have done entirely too much research about this for the explaining the background of it. So before I do that, do we want to talk just like general thoughts, what we thought about the book, um, and then I can go into some stuff I learned from Ram V and Felipe Andrade about making this book? Well, I just have to say right off the top, first of all, Mm -hmm. I covered this book a year ago. On our little book club, and nobody remembers. <laughs> and I was a little bit bitter about it because I think Dallas forgot. I did and, not forget. Hey, I just my, didn't finish it. In my defense, I was not on the show yet, so that is completely on Dallas. That's a thousand percent on Fair. on our, our lovely, mm. <laughs> lovely Dallas's head. Thank you. Yes, you're I, welcome. I enjoy when things are my fault. Yeah, so I will throw you under the bus in a heartbeat. Love you, loads, heart. So- 
Well, Lex, since he threw me under the bus, I'm going to throw you under the bus. <laughs> this is the first comic you're rereading for the mm-hmm. show. Yeah, this is the first what one that, that I circled ex- back to finish. Even though I keep yeah. saying that every single episode, I never do it, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that the five issue one was the one that you finally felt brave enough. Well, I mean, do. it did get sent to me for free. So <laughs> shout out to, <laughs> to Boom Comics for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I was so happy to actually reread this one and actually get the ending to it. I thought it was the perfect way to end the series that I had in my mind. Um it was really, really fun. I enjoyed I enjoyed it the first time I read it, and I enjoyed it again the second time. So 10 out of 10, everyone. All right. Uh, Anne, what are your general thoughts about Lila Star? Um, general thoughts about the same as when I went through it last year, because this is also a reread for the podcast. And it's just, it's a phenomenally beautiful work. It's beautiful to look at it made me cry the last issue especially always always hits me um it's something about those death comics the ones specifically about the avatar of death and i've read three of them just this year this is my second favorite of those three and the first favorite i'm hoping to bring to the show next year so that'll be fun good to know we're sticking on the the happy subjects for a little bit longer (laughs) but it's such a unique voice in the midst of everything else the comics are offering at the moment. And I think that's one of the reasons why I saw a lot of people pick up and cling to this comic a lot. Because I see a lot of people talking about their favorite indies, and whenever they talk about it, it's always, this is always up there. It is, it felt like one of the the big hits of the last couple years, and rightfully, rightfully so. Absolutely. Uh, How about you, Sammy? What are your initial thoughts about Lila Star? I absolutely love this comic. Um, I love the lore. I love that we're taking a step back from a Western representation of death and gods and the afterlife. Um, The art style is phenomenal. I love the color scheme. Even though this is about the avatar or the goddess of death, this is such a story about humanity. And it's just so beautifully put together. And all all the... different issues are just woven together and it's it's probably my top five comics to be honest i'm obsessed and um yeah just be just beautiful i love boom i love everything they uh, are doing right now i was actually just uh watching a youtube video a uh, little interview with uh boom studios and the creators behind this and it's they're so cool and passionate and uh the writer felipe is portuguese which i think is cool because i'm brazilian and i was like i recognize that accent and uh, I just thought that was really awesome. And these guys are just so passionate and talented. Absolutely. I think it's super cool. Uh, I was. I also listened to some interviews for this. Uh, Felipe was talking about how he, a Portuguese man, and Ram V from India, who now lives in England, are writing a comic for a United States audience <laughs> through that company. It's like there's so many layers to this story, and it really gets to the center of why I think this is just an inherently human comic, like you said. This feels like the kind of thing that, and we can get into this later, you don't need all the pieces to understand what's going on because you have felt all that too. You know, you have felt what these people are feeling, even if they're on the other side of the world from you. And I thought that was really cool. Um, But yeah, so I guess my initial thoughts before I dive in to... The background stuff, I love this comic. I really liked it when it was coming out and then rereading it again today for the show. 
just rekindled that love that I felt last year. I think it's a comic that really stands up for rereads and you start to see more of the symbolism, more of the structure at play. So you can see the story that's going on. And I don't, I really, really enjoy it. I'm excited to talk more about it, but before we get just more into us chatting about it, I did want to break down a little bit of what the creators had to say. So this is the first time I've ever written these things down. I usually Ooh. just have bullet points. So if it stinks, don't tell me. Just <laughs> let me know that it was great, even if it was I think bad. I was trying to be a professional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so he's up in his game. Was, yeah. There was one time I got invited onto a podcast that had a script, and I was like, you guys are so much better than us in every way. <laughs> I was like, ours is just every freewheeling thought we've ever had. And they had yeah. me over here reading lines. I was like, this is crazy. Shenanigans. Fully just shenanigans. Um, but so I said, The Many Deaths of Lila Star is a five issue miniseries from Ram V and Felipe Andrade with color assists from Ines Amaro, published by Boom Studios. The series follows the goddess of death on her journey through mortality in Mumbai following the revelation that humanity would soon conquer death, therefore putting her out of a job. Each issue adds a new perspective on death and her relationship with the world. The story grew out of Ram V's own feelings that as he approached 40, he was finally able to start writing his thoughts and feelings that he had had his whole life about death. Now that death was a closer friend, he felt he could add texture to it. In order to set this story apart from comics like Day Tripper or Death, The High Cost of Living, both of which V cites as big inspirations for the story, he decided to set the story within his own native culture and home of Mumbai. He said, he said, and this is a quote from him, we first started this story, when we first started this story, I had to first sit here and wonder, like, come on, Gaiman's done that. What else do I have to say about it? I think the realization is that death means very different things to different people, depending on where you come from. The way Americans and Europeans and Christians, I imagine, think about death is very different from the way the Indian Hindus think about death, which is also very different from the way the Indian Buddhists think about death. And so death is a very uniquely social, cultural, religious artifact that we all contend with in very different ways. So I felt like I had something to say about this in context of where I come from, who I am, and how I perceive death to be. And so the story kind of started there. And I imagine by the end of it, people will take away an idea of death that hopefully is very different from anything you've read before. Felipe Andrade was brought onto the project at Ram V's request, following V seeing Andrade's artwork on Instagram. The loose lines and tone of the artwork suited the more colorful approach that V wanted for the series, and the pair quickly headed off. Finding out that Andrade had spent time in Mumbai, the pair were able to craft a more convincing version of the city and make it a driving factor in the story. Of adapting Mumbai into the comic, Andrade said, Yeah, I mean, you see, maybe easy is not the word for it, but it was very visually appealing to me, so in that way it was easy to fall in love. But Mumbai is a difficult city to draw because it has so many layers. It's like Ram said, the energies and the amount of people, and it's beautiful and ugly. It's all these contrasts, so it's a really interesting city as a setup. The pair worked in tandem to create a story unlike any other that dealt with the subject of death, bringing to the table familiar familiarity with Hindu religion and Indian mythology. Ram injected the series with a life and virility that Andre, Andrade quickly picked up on with his character designs and overall aesthetic for the book. Ram said of Indian myth, I think one of the great travesties that I feel about Indian mythology is that because it's so close to religion, it has become conflated with that. And I feel like we edify and we ossify the stories that relate to Indian mythology. So part of my endeavor here is to remind people that these are just stories. You know, gods are allowed to be funny. 
gods are allowed to be stupid. Sometimes gods are allowed to fail. Gods are allowed to struggle. And so I think part of my endeavor in writing this story has been to convey that sense of that emotion. The same effort to instill emotion in the characters and their world was felt by Andrade, who cites the Big Lebowski as an inspiration for the larger-than-life characterization of many of these characters. The Many Deaths of Lila Star exists as a modern myth and one of and one that was made painfully poignant due to its release during the COVID-19 global pandemic. This colorful, bureaucratic, anachronistically human take on the subject of death that looms so large during its publication served as a bright light to its readers and a beautiful tale to look back on now. Ta-da, jazz hands. That's what I learned. Look at you. you. This has been my book. This has been my book report. I'm impressed. You get an A. Thank you very much. I need everyone to, all of you listening at home, Mm -hmm. uh, mail me the letter A written out (laughs) on a paper. And And we will sew it to all of your clothes. Oh my God. (laughs) Our A criminal. It'll be just like easy A. You know, I'll sew it right here (laughs) on my little busty A. Um, so does anyone have anything that they want to jump into right away talking about Lila Star? Well, I think kind of to piggyback on something that you said, uh, in your, my masterpiece, yes. In your monologue, um, kind of what stuck out to me is the, the bottom line of the fact that these gods are funny, like. I just feel like the lens of using a teenage girl as the body of a all-being god of death is just the funniest thing that's ever happened because having been a teenage girl, it's very appropriate. Like that is <laughs> some days are very doom and gloom and you feel like you want to kill a baby, but you end up not doing it because you realize it's terrible. Um and I just feel like throughout the story and throughout her deaths are very comical to me like the moment that she gets hit by the bus in the first chapter makes me laugh so hard because i'm like look at her she has no idea what she's doing ever i i just I love, love the way you put that <laughs> but to piggyback off that i think one of the things that makes this book really work is the fact that unlike some of the other stories i've read about death this is one that doesn't take itself i want to say it doesn't take itself super seriously because i think it does take the subject matter really really seriously it still hits the way it should but it has a bit of fun with it and it kind of uses not just the art style but also the the timing the um the writing to alleviate a bit of that tension because when you whenever you talk about death um it is always the biggest elephant in the room and you have to be very very careful you're going to push away your audience very quickly. It's going to make them uncomfortable. A lot of people read comics for that escapism. So if you're not giving them that little bit of like levity, it's going to come across a lot heavier than it should. And this does a great job of balancing that. I think I compared to especially a lot of the, the other two books I mentioned earlier, I was talking specifically about um, Carmen and death, the high price of living Um, compared to those two, this has a lot more, bounce to it if that makes sense absolutely i feel like one of the biggest things for me that consistently made me laugh was how much bigger her hair got as the series went on i noticed in the first one she had like mid back length hair and then by the end she had like a seven foot trail of hair behind her as she was like running through the streets i was like i love it i love 
this lady and I love everything about her. Um, how about you, Sammy? What are some more of your thoughts about Lila Starr? Um, I love what you guys have said, especially uh, you and what you're saying about it knowing when it shouldn't take itself seriously. I, th- mm-hmm. I think that is what makes it really feel so human. Um, just the fact that they're bringing this like mundane, relatable voice to this really heavy topic. Like even in the first scene when she's getting called into the office by her boss, um, you know, all powerful gods. It's a really funny interaction, just the way that she's interacting with everybody. And then when she is in the hospital talking to that ghost kid, the way that they're interacting is just, mm-hmm. it's so funny and relatable. And I, I just love seeing the progression of, of this character, just learning what it means to be human. It's just, it's so lovely. Um, I, I really can't even do it justice with my words. Um, yeah, absolutely. Something... Just stunning. Absolutely. Uh, something I really liked that Ram V said was that since death is such a heavy subject matter, he didn't have to worry about grounding this story at all. He's like, when I he's like, when I'm writing, I usually have to think like, all right, how do I ground this? How do I make this human? How do I make sure this isn't too out there and fantastical? And he's like, death did it. <laughs> he's like, the many deaths of Lila Star, like, I don't know, there's no more universally human experience than that. And there's nothing that will bog, like hold a story to the ground like that. So he could get really wacky and big and philosophical with it. And I think the thing that draws me most to this story, I'm definitely going to talk a lot about the artwork moving forward, but it's a lot of like the philosophy and the truisms from this. Just reading it, I screenshotted so many just phrases from the book. Mm-hmm. Like the one of the very last panels, he says, this is it, isn't it? This is the miracle, this place, the sand, the sky, the sea beyond. No grand magic, just a quiet breath taken to yourself. I loved the conclusion of this story being the miraculous conquering of death is real. the realization that you need to live a full life. Like I like that that was the big thing this guy learned. It wasn't about the miracle cure for death that he came up with. He put that on a shelf in his closet. His big revelation, his big thing that set this whole story in motion was realizing the relationship between life and death. And I thought that that was hinted at really well throughout the story with the sort of romantic tension between the God of Life and Lila Star. I thought it was really interesting whenever the God of Life talked about death, he said, you give me meaning. You are the most important thing to me. I'm nothing without you. And I thought that while those feel like romantic platitudes, and I think they're supposed to be that way, I feel like it also adds a layer to what this story is really about. That it's about the relationship between death and the rituals we put around that and the importance we put around that, but how it should inform the importance of our day-to-day life. And I thought that was really masterfully done. I love this book. <laughs> Say, yeah. Um, Relatable. Completely agreed. <laughs> That's... Every time someone pops off, I, really here, like I never know how to My favorite quote? <laughs> oh, go <laughs> for it. Like... Favorite quote, do it. So true. So true. We should just start oh, snapping. So true, Snap. bestie. Snaps. We can wrap the podcast. We said everything we want to say. 
Yeah, that was oof, 19 minutes in and out. Super short adventure. Um, I also really liked, I'm going to share two more quotes that I liked. Uh, it says, life is worthy and beautiful, even if it is not always pretty. And I thought that was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And then it says, to be witnessed by someone else and to be remembered when you are going, these are the things that belong to mortals. And then down below, you have uh, the servant saying, don't forget me, Aunt Arius. And I think that can be a good transition into like the structure of the story. Because I don't know how I missed this when I was reading singles, but the fact that like you've got the two framing issues with issue one and five that are about life and her relationship to Darius. But then two, three, and four are each about a time that Darius lost someone important to him. Right? And the first one, mm-hmm. he lost the man that worked in his family's backyard. The second time, he lost his best friend. And the third time, he lost his spouse. And I think using those as the structure for touch points to look into this person's life and his progression was really brilliant and something I hadn't realized until I read them all in one big stretch. So I guess my question is, was there one issue that spoke to you more or a moment with Darius that felt the most significant to you while reading this? Well, I have to say just from my original reading last year i only read the first three issues because that's all that had come out when i read it at the time um but now having gone through the entire story as a whole it has a completely different magnitude for me last time i felt like it was fun kind of interesting didn't really know where it was gonna go you know but when i read the issue that has the passing of his wife it honestly hit me like a wrecking ball i was like oh okay here's the actual meaning of this book. And it completely changed the way that I viewed the entire run. And I feel like the way that it was written and the way that it was also illustrated was very, very telling to the story. Like it just fully wrapped it up in such a nice Mm -hmm. little bow and it just was amazing. So that scene where Layla and Darius are talking to each other after he tells her that his wife had passed, I was like, oh my gosh, because I hadn't realized that she shows up every time that somebody in his life passes. Mm -hmm. And so it just was crazy to me to finally put that together. Yeah, that's a, a very, very heated moment when you realize that you're standing in the same room as death herself. And he just lets loose everything that he's been wanting to say. Sammy, which one was your favorite? You know, I actually binge read this from the trade paperback. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if logically in my mind I was like, oh, so, I don't know if I was separating them by issue. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I read, I read it all oh, once. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. I remember maybe about like two thirds of the way through, I, I started feeling like uh, I started understanding the message of the of the book more and and feeling more emotional. Um. Yeah, uh, one scene that really stood out to me was actually when she, I think it was like the last half of the book, uh, she was um at a temple and there was like a, a, mm-hmm. a temple god that was kind of rendered uh, insignificant in the eyes of, of the mortals around him because of the way that modern culture has like stepped away from like core beliefs. Um, and I think it's just interesting to see how that impacts the beings. Um, I, I, I love stuff like that. I love I love lore and mythology and religion and all of that stuff. And when it comes to polytheistic religions, uh, like from what I'm familiar with, like Greek and Roman, I, I feel like it really 
allows stories about them to be very human because they're very human gods in my opinion um that was kind of unrelated but that's these are my thoughts i have adhd i'm sorry (laughs) no No, it's okay that was great i think one of the most interesting things um my background is in ancient near eastern studies that's what i got my degree in in archaeology and all of that so i i've spent a lot of time thinking about ancient gods and one of the things that's most interesting even to apply to the modern world is how little what we say about our gods say about those gods and how much they say about us as a people right when you set up like a big warrior god as your number one guy what you're trying to tell the world is like we sure are tough you know Ah. and when you set up a character like death from the sandman saga you're saying here are your expectations of how this is dark and a sad thing with like her gothic exterior but because of her personality we're trying to undercut that right so neil gaiman saying like death can be a friend and i think what ram v and Felipe andrade accomplish here with lila star is saying that death is something that we share as people right like Lila Star is such a human character. She's quirky. She's funny. She's the kind of person you want to be friends with. Um, and yeah, she seems a little less put together, like the death from Sandman. I feel like I keep comparing those two in my head. And it was it was nice to hear from Ram V that he also was well mm-hmm. aware that there was a death he was competing against making this. But I just I feel like Lila Star has so much to say about how if we can come to terms with with death, we can come to terms with appreciating the people in our life while they're there and learning how to appreciate them after, that we'll live a more happy and fulfilled life. Yeah. And I think no. that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I think that you that's basically exactly it. Death from Sandman is death from death's perspective. And I feel like the goddess of death and Lay the Star is death from our perspective. And so both of those together, you have a nice whole piece of the puzzle. And it's that's actually a pretty good double binge read. If anyone's listening and you haven't gone through any of these books yet, which, dear God, why haven't you? Please check these out. Um, it's. I also want to throw out Day Tripper. Please read Day Tripper. I, haven't I know Day it doesn't Tripper star yet. a beautiful woman, but See, uh, you lost I don't want to read it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to fit in perfectly here, Sammy. Look at that. <laughs> This show is me going, there are comics that are valid without pretty women in the lead. And then my two co-hosts go, no, there's not. I don't understand. What are you talking about? That's not real. What? I don't speak boy comic, they say. And I go, (laughs) all right, twist my arm. We'll look at more pretty girls. Darn. Mm -hmm. Uh, Darn. You know, I put out a TikTok that was like all of my favorite comics uh, that I, you know, had been reading. And a lot of men in the comics were like, there's no boy comics. You're not like men. And they were really <laughs> mad at me. And and some, and some people corrected my list. They're like, you forgot to say Watchmen or you forgot to say Saga. Oh I was like, gosh. I don't think you understand the, my favorites, not like the top <laughs> favorites of, you know, the collective opinion or yours. But um, um, I like as, what I like. As the, um, oh, yeah. yeah. As the ambassador for men here, I can say you can tell them to... Uh, to fuck them kids you know be like no thank you actually i don't need the boy comics 
See, I always, I get that same stuff on Twitter, except it's just like, hey, I'd like to see more girl comics. And then there's always some guy in there who's like, well, girl comics don't sell. I'm like, well, buy them more. I don't know. Get over the, they're not going to give you cooties. It's okay. You can read a comic with a girl in it. You'll be fine. You'll live, actually. And you might actually like them. Who knows? Uh, Twitter is fun. Don't do Twitter. I don't do Twitter. It scares me. People are It's okay. It, it, it might mean. be worth Where it just to watch it burn at this point, but yeah. yeah, I think that ship has sailed. I think one of my favorite logics on like the girl comic boy comic thing I ever heard came from one of my college roommates who was playing, I remember what RPG video game he was playing. They came and I was like, you always play as a girl. Like, is there something to that? And he went, you know, I want to play this game either way. And I can either be looking at a pretty girl or a man the whole time. And he's <laughs> like, I've never like understood. <laughs> <laughs> he's like i've never understood why people pick the boy option like i don't want to watch a beefcake walk around and i was like oh my genius god for that jacob you're a genius my best friend Joseph of course was like it was that. jacob <laughs> listen that's when your third eye opens is when you realize like wait i think i had the same realization in like middle school when like my whole life I've been like i only like bands with boy singers and then all of a sudden i was like why do i care about so many boys what on earth Ugh. Yeah, the whole concept of boy comics and girl comics reminds me of when I was a kid, a very clearly queer kid, and I was going to McDonald's with my mom, and they're like, boy toy, girl toy. And my mom was like, there's no such thing as a boy toy or a girl toy. Okay, my daughter wants the car. And I'm like, mom, love the spirit, but this is a minimum wage worker. Thank you, though. (laughs) Yeah, hold her hand. You're like, I'm six, but let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but... You know, I, I feel like all the men that I interact with who read comics, you know, aren't don't have a, a difference in their mind. And realistically, I don't either. It's pointed out to me that I gravitate towards female-centered comics, but, you know, that's what I relate to and like. But I don't go like, oh, I'm not reading boy comics. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, as opposed to the other end of that spectrum, unfortunately, some, some men do have that thought pattern of I'm not reading that it has a girl in it. But I think if you enjoy what the art of storytelling is in regards to comics, you will just pick a story, period. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter who is about, you know. If you like it and it's well written and it's a good character, there we go. Bada bing, bada bing. I like girls. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. And the comics collective said amen. <laughs> um Yeah. I just like you don't get comics like this without letting other people tell stories, right? If we have the same 40-year-old straight white men writing all the stories all the time, you're not going Mm -hmm. to get something like this. Ram V, with his background being from Mumbai, has such different opinions on this than Neil Gaiman from England. And we have two stories that are brilliant that we love both of that we get because we're letting other people tell stories. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you're listening to this show you're on the same pages as we're kind of preaching to the choir here, but I do think it's something worth acknowledging that you're only hurting yourself. Mm-hmm. If you throw up barriers about what kind of comics you're going to read based on arbitrary things like that. That is so, so true. Uh, this is why diversity is important, not for the sake of diversity whatsoever, but because why only see one perspective and only, you know, read one story regurgitated over and over again. Um, it's just beautiful. 
and this is a beautiful story and it just shows how so many different backgrounds and so many different cultures and so many different artists have so many different perspectives that just lend so much to you because I feel like I've learned so much from this comic not just you know culturally and you know learning more about other religions but just like a new perspective on life that I, I'm glad I learned through it and it's just stunning I love it so much I just I love comics you know I, I love the direction that the industry is going I love boom TKO, uh, just they're bringing so many new voices that maybe 10 years ago mm -hmm. wouldn't be as welcomed in the comic industry, which luckily I wasn't around in the industry 10 years ago whatsoever. But I'm glad that I am where I am now. Um, and as a queer woman, there are stories for me and there are stories that I can enjoy that, you know, are for everybody and for me. And there's just so many beautiful stories. I hope that made sense because I started to lose what I was saying towards the end of that sentence. <laughs> no, no, perfect. It's yeah, you're makes all the sense in the world. And you're you are lucky you weren't hit ten years ago. I was here ten years ago, and it was it was rough. It was rough for a long time, but it's yeah. good to see the evolution, the progression. I'm I'm really lucky to be, you know, the age and generation I am. Ten years ago, I was a, a freshman in high school, but. You know, I wasn't exactly on the internet talking to people about comic books. I was just in my own little world. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. <laughs> ten years ago, I was ten. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was an actual child. Oh, my goodness. Playing Barbies. The end. I'm getting older. Ah. <laughs> my joints. <laughs> <laughs> See, ten years ago, yeah, I was definitely arguing with people about Aquaman in internet forms. That's where I was 10 years ago. It does not need a shirt. The he end. does not. Wait, what? Wait, hold up. <laughs> what? You, I think you tricked me. <laughs> wait, no, he does need a shirt. Don't clip that. No, Dallas, you can, <laughs> you're going to remove that. No. Scratch you can't give him that much power. I played mind games. <laughs> um, Fuck. So, coming back to Lila Star. A oh, is that bit. what we were talking about? Yeah, oh, right. yeah. There's, there's never a heard of it. About. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we're actually going to do a dramatic reading of it here on the show. Okay. Uh, for the I don't want to brag or anything, but I'm a trained actor, much like Clayface oh, from the beautiful. Harley Quinn animated series. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, you can be whoever you want as long as I get to be the cigarette. That's I was born the one that burns role. down the building, or the one that gets carried around. <laughs> I mean, both. I can light things on fire. Let's do this. Oh, my God. I love that energy. I think that, for me, the book was finally like, oh, this is the coolest thing I'm reading right now from the cigarette issue. I was like, this book's being narrated by a cigarette. I, this is cool. So, so cool. I literally love I just forgot about that part. So I didn't have time to reread it. I forgot about that. That's such a cool part. This re reminds me, this is like a small tangent, but uh, I recently read a comic that was like a horror kind of haunted house gothic literature comic but it was from the perspective of the house and i just thought it was so genius oh was that that wasn't homesick pilots was it it was grave and i from tko and oh, okay the main characters are all women shout out women they got writing it down <laughs> <laughs> um i thought the juxtaposition between like a cigarette issue and then the last chinese temple in mumbai back to back was really interesting we talk, obviously, there's always the death that affects Darius, but each issue tends to have another kind of death, right? We've got in issue mm -hmm. two, we've got the riot that burns down the pillow fort or the pillow factory. And I feel like it's kind of a commentary on the death of a certain kind of economy that used to exist. 
And then we've got the cigarette, which I think is talking a little bit about how fleeting and fast things can be. And I think putting that right in the middle of the factory and then the temple demonstrates that death is something that is different for different people. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I, I love that. I think that one of the story's biggest strengths is its ability to make this feeling universal and to demonstrate how different people are interacting with it. Um, But I, Oh, Oh, sorry. I think it's a great way to utilize the space they have because we do a lot of passage of time in just these five issues. Like we go through an entire lifetime and a lot of it takes place off the page. So I think adding elements like that, like just showing how a community changes, showing how um, this temple changed, showing just in the, the span of a cigarette, just everything that happens, showing you the breadth and the length and the um, magnitude of life. And I think that's intentional. I think it's really smart. Something that I thought was so cool that Ron V talked about in one of the interviews, they said, we thought it was so funny how bureaucratic the gods were at the beginning of the series, right? That they all work in an office yeah. and <laughs> that death is like a career. And something Ram V said that was very interesting. He said, growing up in India, around 2 billion people, your mind just starts to think about the bureaucracy of that kind of stuff. He's like, when hundreds of thousands of people die and are born every day on that, con- that subcontinent, you have to think about like, where are they all going to go? What's going to happen? He's like, you just start to think about that kind of stuff. He's like, so it felt very natural for me to think about death as bureaucracy. But an interesting wrinkle is that this story, while it was something that Ram V had been working on for a long time in his head, when it actually came to putting pen to paper and bringing Felipe Andrade on the project, it was then made during the COVID-19 pandemic, during the height of all of that. And I think not to get like super somber on this episode about death, but I think then the message of this story of death going from a bureaucrat who only sees numbers and statistics removed of individuals to the end of the story where she is very familiar with the person that's passing and she feels the weight of that is an incredibly significant touch point for that specific part of time. I think this story will be, read for years and years and that context might not hit quite the same as it does right now but i couldn't help but think about that context that they were writing in that they were releasing it in that this book served as a light and a joy and it's funny it's quirky we were talking about it felt like exactly the right book for the right time and i think it's a message that i hope many of us took away from this, that the people around us aren't statistics, that we aren't just awash in a sea of numbers, but there are individuals who are important. There are, like the book said, life doesn't have to be pretty or what was the exact words? It doesn't have to be worthy or beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh no, it is worthy even if it is not beautiful or pretty. And so I think for me as someone who during that same time period moved from Utah where by no means did I live in the sticks, but like I did not see that many people to moving to New York city. I all of a sudden was around thousands of people every day. And I think it's such an important lesson over and over to like every single person you bump into is significant and important and meaningful. And their life 
is just as important as yours. And I think that this book touches on that in a really great way. Yeah, beautifully said. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Think about um, <laughs> snaps. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to talk a little bit about the art next? Yeah, Philippe Andrade is a genius. I love this man's work. What do you all think of his artwork before I go on a big long tangent? Obsessed. I love Brilliant. it so freaking much. It's so much prettier in person than on a phone. Oh, yeah. So much better. <laughs> Can <This> confirm. Is... <laughs> For sure. Yeah. This is definitely a book I recommend you pick up in print. Um, it's. It's hard to describe it. Well, it was hard to describe like what attracted me so much to this art style, because I used to when I started reading comics, my my go to was always like, I need it to be the, the you know, the super realistic style, the super serious style. I want my characters to look like they would in the real world. I was really attracted to artists like Ivan Reyes for that reason. And that's like, that's where I stuck for so long. And a lot of times, very stylistic art styles like this would put me off a story but I think this story specifically, you can't do any other way because the art enhances what I was talking about earlier, the the levity of it and helping separate you from the serious nature of what we're talking about. It helps separate you from death and it makes this something that's beautiful to look at and you can't really take your eyes away from. It carries you through the story with that levity and it makes sure that nothing ever gets too dark for you to handle. And... I think that the beauty of it, especially in the colors, the colors are so fucking gorgeous in this book. It's it's one of the things where it's like, if you want to look at, oh, I remembered. Okay, so it's like every page of this book is staring at the um the last sunset you'll ever see. That's what I was thinking of. It's like, if you want like the perfect mental image of what it's like to look at this book and every page on it, I've seen all these colors in a sunset before. And it made me think of like, this is, if this was the end, this is the the last thing I'd want to see. It was just that perfect. So you just gave me goosebumps. Oh, awesome! Wow, that's so I'm... accurate. <laughs> last sunset, the last sunset. Yeah, that's really. That good. sounds like a great title to like a romance novel. You know, the last sunset. <laughs> you can have <laughs> that one for free. No, no. If someone ends up using that, you owe and at least five dollars and then me 153 dollars wait hold up and 27 What's... cents i'm that's your so agent. specific okay but that's still oh, so funky. specific did you just Sorry, type that's... that in a calculator like just uh, now no uh oh. as your agent you should know i'm just very good at coming up with oh okay like right right well. yeah we, we gotta talk yeah. about your rate later then because um, that seems extravagant again you were the one that signed on the dotted line we don't no, we don't need to have this argument again. Um, I do get more money than you for your ideas. Uh, Lex, what did you think of the artwork? I think it's the best artwork I have probably seen in a really, really long time. I feel Ooh. like a moth and anything that's bright, I just want to hug. So this book is going to be on my bedside table for the next foreseeable future. <laughs> it's honestly just visually stunning like i once again like dallas mentioned he screenshotted pages for the words i screenshotted pages for the pictures because i have the intellect of a goldfish and so 
I felt like the storytelling through the art itself was enough. And then the words are just taken that much further. And I just feel like there are so many different scenes and cityscapes in this book that are just visually amazing to me. And I would hand this book to literally anybody. Will you talk a little bit more about the city? Because something that Ram and Felipe both talked about was using Mumbai as a character. So you said that you liked the cityscapes. Why did you like that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like for me, I mean, I know, of course, that this city's huge. There are so many people that live in this city and they have a way of making it feel that big but also so focused in on our characters and their little individual workings and their lives that it makes it feel intimate to me. And I'm not exactly sure how they did that or if that was the point, but it makes you feel the community of of this book. Like there are so many different moving parts, but they all aid in the one story, which I find fascinating. Absolutely. I see. Yeah. Oh, <clears throat> I was going to ask if everyone had a like a breathtaking moment. Like, what is the the best page turn in the story? What is the panel that sticks with you the most? I've this got my one. answer really quick. Oh, mm-hmm. you go, Lex. The one where she is gets that... off the plane and she's like, "Ah, oh, I'm so glad I didn't die." <laughs> she's got her like crop top and her purple pants oh she's so cool she's such a bad bitch fashion icon yes yeah in the complete opposite direction in the introduction of bardon the servant when he's like hunched over with the pickaxe in his introduction i'll hold it up for them to see but it's got like a yellow background and you can see like his dark maroon skin you can see how he's hunched over doing his daily labor i know it's an homage to some famous art piece and it was driving me crazy that i couldn't remember which one today but like i can see the famous painting in my head that this is homaging but i loved it i feel like it's really visually striking and i think it leans really well into like the exaggerated anatomy that philippe andrade uses I think each of his characters passes the silhouette test. So if you don't know what the silhouette test is, listener, when you're designing a character, you should be able to black out everything and people can still tell what it is based on the silhouette. Like, think of the Guess That Pokemon game, but for character design. And I feel like in this book, every character would pass that test. Because when I think of Bardon, I think of that massive chest, the big, long arms. And when I think of Lila Starr, I think of the big, long hair, the like the very wafy shape of her. And I think a, another layer of making these characters into caricature is it makes it easy for you to imprint yourself on them. Something that Scott McCloud talks about in Understanding Comics is that the more detailed something is, the more it is that thing. It's like the Ivan Reese style comic art. When he draws Hal Jordan, that is Hal Jordan. You can see exactly who it is. He has specific way he looks. He looks very realistic. You never think, oh, there's me. 
But when someone draws two dots and a little curved line underneath it to make a smiley face, you can go, there I am. I'm a smile. You know, like you feel more attached to that. And artwork exists on a continuum between those. And I feel like Philippe Andrade leans more towards the smiley face section. And I think that's perfect for this story where you can look at these characters and you can see that they're individuals within the story, but you see very much of yourself in them because of the art style. You want to know something else that I found that was really cool through my flipping through it? Yes. So the use of color, of course, is very mm-hmm. vibrant in this book. Um, but something I noticed, all of the scenes that uh, Layla is having, like, an existential crisis about being the fact that she's deaf, mm-hmm. it's all very blues and purple tones. And then after she dies and is resurrected by life. They're all very warm yellow tones in those scenes with him, as well as all of Darius's scenes are very warm, colorful, alive colors, which I find very interesting because I, and it shifts towards the end when she is with um, Darius in his last life. Like that very last issue is very colorful because I feel like she's understood the meaning of life and it gets more colorful. The more pages pass in the last one. Yeah. I think the only, you know, talking about him being in a war, I think the only time he's not is when um, she confronts, well, when he confronts her Mm -hmm. in that, that penultimate issue and he's yellow, but it's very, it's very cold. There's not a lot to him. That's one of the pages that almost feels like it's sapped of all life. Mm-hmm. whenever you're looking at him it's just it feels Anger. like yeah like those that was one of that was gonna be one of the panels i called out as one of my favorites is just that first panel where we see him sitting down and we just see like his eyes look piercing yellow and his face is so shaded in and it's 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 chilling and i almost felt bad for death for a moment where i'm like i would not want to be there at this moment i agree um, Sammy, do you have some favorite pages? Um, I think I like the beginning of uh, issue three, Up in Smoke, uh, with the cigarette mm-hmm. narration. Uh, I think here you guys can see it. Um, but to me, this is just there's a lot of motion in here, and it just a lot of movement. But the you know her she herself is just so still, and that mm-hmm. combined with the colors, it just I feel like it just captures. Uh, the complexity of like how she's feeling um it's just like it's very loud and beautiful i just i just love the colors so cool oh yeah yeah it it gives off like the feeling of like life is busy and hectic but she is just vibing yeah that's you that's perfect that's exactly it yeah i love the the people behind her are just like a mass of limbs and bodies and yeah i love how abstract they get yeah the smoke is so pretty. Everything I love that how happens they, in this like, party is so pretty. I love how they reprinted it for the cover. Like the inside, how it's pink. Mm-hmm. I love that version Wait of it. Wait a minute. Mine doesn't have that. On the very front. It's Wait, the first page. Have? Oh, is that a single issue? No, no this no, is, the, one. This is the whole one. It's like literally the oh, wait, no, very first have that. page. I was like, oh, wait pink. a minute. My bad. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I love, the, I love the pink tones. I'm a very pink person. This looks like the lesbian flag. I like it. Mm-hmm. I love the lettering in this in this uh, comic. 
Uh, yes. Letterers are so underrated. I don't think people realize how much they get to capture a tone and especially like how creative that this letterer was able to get with the smoke narration. So mm-hmm. freaking awesome. The, who's the letterer? Uh, it's and world designs. Oh, okay. I don't know. I only know that because I literally did the same thing in this issue. I was like, who lettered this? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And then I went and looked, and I was like, that's not a real name, but okay. What is Anworld Design? (laughs) It's a company that does lettering, and it's like one of the people that works for that company did the Mm. letters for this. Unspoken heroes. (laughs) Shout out that employee. Uh, Killed it on that one. I hope that this employee finds this episode of this podcast just just so they know i hope there's so someone out there that are like i'm employee i'm employee <laughs> yeah. employee write us in let us know that you heard us and please tell us your name that would be awesome shout out to that girl that lila star was kissing in this issue right. with a cigarette before she had to go hang out with darius's mopey ass yeah I was like, she's a better person than me. I would not have been like, you know, I should go talk to that sad kid over there. It's <laughs> <laughs> not where I would have been. Um, yep. Do we have any more thoughts before we move to listener questions? Um, no, no thoughts. Head empty. Yes. All right. I like this comic. <laughs> That's a good one. I like it's a two thumbs up comic. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. not good at describing stuff. I'm just like, it's good. Trust me. <laughs> Believe Take me. My word I am for the it. sources. <laughs> sources I say really... it's good. I am the source. <laughs> I am sources. Um, I really like in the the last issue, Lestar picks up a poetry book. That's definitely supposed to be like a rupee cower poetry yeah. book. And they just name it uh, Akur Puri, which made me smile. But the last poem that's shared, I feel like, is a good way to close out this section of talking. It says, I want to arrive at the end with scars to show for rash decisions made by a careless heart. And I think that encapsulates really well the message of this book, which is, again, we make our relationship with death significant as we live a full life. Mm -hmm. That it doesn't have to be it's interesting how much of world religion is built around our fear of death, right? People all around the world are dealing with this universal truth that we don't know what happens after this ends. And we want an answer to that. And I think it's really beautiful that this book doesn't deny those hopes and those dreams and that faith that so many hold secure and sacred, but it does turn back a little bit and say, All of that doesn't have to be your end-all be-all if you make this life significant. Like, whatever is on the other side of that isn't quite as scary if you are living your life in a significant way here. And significance is not found in, like, money, accolades, or fame. It's found in depth of relationship with the people around us. It's found in the memories that we share of the life that we lived and... Again, I, I just think that's a beautiful message for the time that this book was published and for this moment right here. I think a lot of us, after the shared trauma of the last few years, are wondering a little bit, like, what is the purpose of my life? Hmm. And I like that this book answers that the purpose of your life is to live in a way that makes you feel happy and fulfilled and lifts up the people mm-hmm. around you. 
Um, yeah. I really liked this book. I thought it was really profound, and I think Ram V is incredible. If you liked this, read his Swamp Thing run. His Swamp Thing is like this, but for the dang-ass freaks. So if, you are, if you're out there and you read this and you're like, I'm pretty cool, but I might also be a dang-ass freak, go read about the Swamp Guy version of this. Way more fungal. Um, moving into questions. Joe writes in and says... Hi, all. So glad to hear you're covering one of the best books of last year. The story and art was so beautiful and made for such an enchanting, heartfelt, and poetic comic book experience. In particular, I love the structure of the book, how it progresses issue by issue. My question is, are there any other comics you love that either play with time in a similarly interesting way or just in general have a unique structure to them? Excited to hear the episode. All the best, Joe. So while I let you all think, him saying he liked the structure of this reminded me of one more thing I want to say. I loved that this book was narrated. Um, Ram V talked about how this began as a short story that he wrote, and then he decided that he wanted to make it a comic because, and I'm vamping so you can all think, he said comics are the most like music, and he has a lot of love for music. He said comics depend on rhythm and many parts coming together to create a melody. He's like, just like a band has different elements to it that make it great. He's like, a comic book is a collaboration between people with different talents coming together to make beautiful art. And so I thought it was interesting that he, as let's say like the lead vocalist of this comic, as the writer, decided to have a lot more description than what is generally used in modern comics mm -hmm. to tell us the story. And yet because of how vibrant and strong Philippe Andrade's artwork came through, it never felt overly wordy, which I thought was really great. Um, but my answer for a comic that has an interesting structure, I think Day Tripper is kick-ass. Uh, Day Tripper is incredible. It's about a person who writes eulogies. And that's the word for the you died section of the newspaper, right? Yes. Yeah, so he's, he writes Nailed eulogies. It. And... Therefore, each issue is framed as him writing his own eulogy. It's all the most important parts of his life. And he dies at the end of every issue. And it's what he would have written about that section of his life up to that point. And then you pick up the next issue and he didn't really die at the end of that one. Now he's 10 years older and he has a different perspective on life and a different perspective on life. And this comic borrows very heavily from that comic. So if you liked this, absolutely read that. Mm-hmm. And then for you superhero baddies out there, Batman Killing Time that recently came out from Tom King <sighs> ruled very hard and it played with time a lot. It was very confusing at first. You were like, why does it keep jumping around? But I promise it's worth sticking with it because by the end you'll be like, damn it, it jumped around geniusly. And now I'm invested in everything that's happening. So those are my two structure <sighs> comics I think you should check out. Nice try trying to get me to read a Batman comic. You you came close. You're, you're going to get there someday, probably, but not today. We don't Thank like you boy comics. <laughs> no boy comics allowed. Um, but speaking, speaking of comics, um, because you know that's what we're talking about. I'm so glad you didn't take the one I was thinking of because talking about comics with very unique presentation styles, always never. Oh. Which... 
Sammy, have you read Always Never? Yeah. No, I'm writing it down. Holy okay, cats. Book of the year. This book. book of the year. Oh my gosh. You're going to love it. It makes it every other a... comic look like trash. Oh, I love that book. I want to call it a, a love story because it's it's a very unique love story. It's not going to be a love story in the way you expect, but it's told backwards. Oh. It's told from the most recent event, and then each chapter takes you back a little bit further in time, and it still somehow completely works, and it will leave you a, a bawling mess at the end. It is just yeah ridiculously don't, good. Don't read it unless you're like in a good place to cry. Like... <laughs> When I first read it back in February, I was like on the train and people were looking at me like, that guy's crazy. And they're like <laughs> sobbing into my iPad, like, <laughs> they're just in love. <laughs> and people are like, dang, dude. I was like, I'm not usually this way. <laughs> Great book. Uh, we should talk about it. Wish we had a podcast where we could do that. <laughs> yeah, someday. We just have so much Batman to read, you know. Oh. All right. Um, Sammy Lexi, or Sammy? Lexi? Yeah. Uh, I literally have no answers. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I have like, well, I think 8 Billion Genies has a pretty cool structure with the relationship with the number 8. Because it's like 8 seconds. What is it? 8 minutes, 8 weeks, 8 months, all that. I'm a couple mm-hmm. issues behind, but. I think, you know, it's really cool. You guys have read 8 Billion Genies. Um, it's such a I good have, book. Yeah. It's really good. Uh, I'm so behind in my life. But yeah, for <laughs> those of you listening, it's like, what if everybody in the world all at once gets a genie, you get one wish. You know, 8 billion people equals 8 billion genies. And the way that it's structured is that each issue, it's like a measurement of time with an eight. So it's eight, what happens in the first eight seconds, what happens in the first eight hours eight days and so on and i think it's really interesting and i think it's a good comic on like the dark sides of humanity what people will do with their one wish but another example of something that plays with time i is pretty interesting is probably seconds by brian lee o'malley um i mean the whole thing is about like magic mushrooms and going back in time and messing messing with things you know um time travel shenanigans a little bit. That's a fun one. You said that one was Seconds? Yeah, Seconds by Brian Lee O'Malley. Um, it, it revolves around this restaurant called Seconds, and essentially, like, uh, the main character, this girl, uh, she finds a way to, like, turn back her mistakes. So she could, like, basically write her mistakes down, and it will turn back to before those mistakes happen. And uh, so she could go back and prevent them, but it, it could only only mistakes that happen within the restaurant. So she can only control events that happen in the restaurant. But of course, you know, they affect everything outside the restaurant. And it's just a little bit of a time travel shenanigans with a little, you know, classic Brian Lee O'Malley humor. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's a pretty interesting one. I'm going to have to check that one out. Lost at Sea is one of my favorites. So I'm sure I'm going to love this one too. I have that. I haven't read it. I'm so behind. It's it's really beautiful. I've heard that. I've heard that. Shout out Scott Pilgrim. You're a real one. Terrible person. Great book. <laughs> I I literally, I posted a video about Scott Pilgrim and people were like, he's disgusting. And I'm like, yeah. And then some people were like, I relate to him so much. And I'm like, please don't follow me. <laughs> you're like, ooh, red flag. <laughs> got yeah. two sides of the coin where you're like, oh, oh no. Like, I'm going to yeah. need us to meet in the middle here. Like, it's a fun book, but don't relate to him. Yeah, you're supposed to hate the main character, you know? 
Mm-hmm. He's so dumb. He is so dumb. Yeah. Listen, Michael Sarah did a good job. I know a lot of people was... didn't like that casting, but I like that little weirdo. It's a fun movie. <laughs> a little weirdo. He is. Everything he's in, I'm like, shout out that little weirdo. Look at him. Just being a little kind weirdo. That's a, such a good cast. You know, Chris Evans, Aubrey Plaza, um, mm-hmm. Captain Marvel, Brie Larson. Yeah, Brie, Brie Larson. Yeah, it's good. That's the reason I play bass is because of Scott Pilgrim and Marceline the Vampire Queen. You play bass? A little bit. I wouldn't say I'm good. I'm in the same boat, so yeah. I haven't nice. picked it up in months. Same, I haven't picked it up in months. The last song I was working on was uh, a song... It was from Muse, and it was the fastest, most intense song I've ever learned on bass. It literally is freaking crazy. I think it was Hysteria. Very, very cool. Yeah. I'm not good at it. I'm not good at it. Oh, my dumbass tried learning 3090 from the um, the Tick, Tick, Boom musical, because that was a lot of fun, but I am not nearly advanced enough to play that. I really feel that. Like, I got the song that I'm learning down, but it is literally so fast, and every single mm-hmm. second you're moving your finger, it, it is the fastest, most... I, I don't know what I was thinking doing this. I I think I knew I couldn't do it, but I was like, but I could do it slowly, and to me, that's yeah. an accomplishment, so... <laughs> that's all you need. You can turn the tempo down a little bit, that's Yeah, fine. it's Hysteria from Muse. Do you, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Um, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to show you guys. <laughs> it's so fast. Anyway, sorry. Oh, but that's... <laughs> it's the fast ones that are the most fun. I it's know. better than it's someone so asking you to play... It's fun to play. Yeah. It's better than someone asking you to play Seven Nation for the 5,000th time. Oh my so, god, you know. literally. So true. Garbage Truck is just like three chords. It's so slow. That's from Scott Pilgrim. But yeah, Seven Nation Army, I relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh we were talking about comics? What are comics? <laughs> Are they for boys? Welcome back to the yeah. Uh, the actually, base I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> um, we're just on here to fill a quota. Thanks, Dallas. Hello, I am your token uh, dude. Yeah, <laughs> the one the one place that happens. Do you want me to I'm read like, Evans? I'm like Bill. Yeah, hmm? but I'm like Bilbo Baggins in uh, the Wakanda Forever movie. Those Black Panther <laughs> movies. Every time I see Bilbo oh Baggins, I'm like. My little man, what are you doing out there? He just wants to go on a jog through the woods and not be jumped by a panther, okay? I just saw Black Panther 2 yesterday. I was so freaking busy. It took me this long to see it. Did you like it? Yes, I loved it. My God. Slaps. Slaps so hard. Yeah. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. To Marvel? Yeah, I was like, I'm done with these movies. I was like, I don't even like them anymore. And then that one came out, and I was like, man with little green shorts. I said, listen. Then they brought Namor in. He's my number one dude. Listen, he is (laughs) camp. He wears a little green panties. Personally, wasn't a fan of the board shorts in the movie. I was like, give him his little green thong and give him the eyebrows. They had to Photoshop out his dick. So I did see that. I would. I feel like. If Marvel it. had to be like, sir, your dong is too big for the screen. I feel like my feet wouldn't touch the ground for like a year and a half if I had to be like, <laughs> yeah, sorry, you man. Like, sorry. You were packing too to hard in your little shorts. Except for Loki, too. Mm. That happened to Loki as well. Wait, really? Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They just, 
imagine being the team where it's like, what's I'm your sick job? And tired. It's like, no, I'm, I'm digital wang removal. That's all I do. <laughs> Oh my God. That, they that look over the people Friday. that animated Hulk's ass. They're like, I'll take Wang removal. <laughs> oh my God. Imagine going to school if, just to do that for your job. Okay, wait. I've actually had this thought before. You guys know Cyberpunk? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Game? Mm-hmm. It's very customizable in certain aspects. And just think about the fact that that was somebody's job. <laughs> that was somebody's job to make those features. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To not only program it, but to like physically make it. Yeah. It's like, okay, now run it back. Make sure it works. Yeah, Do they have sure reference can... photos? Do they have a collection? <laughs> they have a pin board. It <laughs> <laughs> reminds like, gonna, me. You get called to HR because of your pin board. It's like, it's literally my job. I don't yeah. know what to tell you. Like, could you explain this folder, please? Like, well, <laughs> actually, one of the professors I worked with got in trouble for that because he was categorizing all the artwork from Pompeii. And there's a lot of porn in Pompeii. If you don't know that, I in, love that. That's in the sidewalk. Pompeii was like the Las Vegas of Rome, where no way. like if you wanted to go meet some sex workers, like Pompeii is where you were going. They literally oh in the sidewalks they had little erect penises tiles that like aimed you to where the prostitutes were. No way. Like it ruled, and so he had a big folder on his computer that just said pornography, and it was like a terabyte. And then one of his TAs like hopped on his computer and was like, why do you have a terabyte of porn on your work computer? And he was like, I swear, it's from Pompeii. It's like, oh that's not God. better. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. So, off of porn for a second, on to our next question from Evan. Just for a, a second, little... though, Anne. Just for a second. We might come back to it. Who knows? We might um, circle back. A little surprised to hear you guys are doing The Fault in Our Stars since you're a comic podcast, but I guess I'll roll with it and ask you about the scene where the leads make out in the attic of, wait, oh, I see. I misread the title. My mistake. This makes more sense now. The Many Deaths of Layla Star is a beautiful book, but one of the things I think people don't talk about enough is the world building. The book does the heavy task of introducing the reader to not only the world slash mythology of the book, but real life connections to cultures and religions many may not be familiar with. What about the book do you think lends itself to ease um, to easily engaging readers in this world? And what lessons do you think other writers can take from that? And the bonus question, if you were in a comic, how would you want to die? This is not a threat, I promise. Your friend <laughs> and sometimes co-host, Evan. Well, thank you for that, Evan. But this this sounds like the perfect question for you, Sammy, since you said you like the, the mythology and the lore building and the culture so much. Do you have any good... Um, ideas of what makes this book so easy to jump into in terms of the mythology around it? I think that it, it's taking this, I, this, you know, old religion slash mythology or whatever term, you, you know, one would view it as, uh, mm-hmm. or whatever the correct term is, but they take this religion and the mythology behind it and they, they put it, they make it in a, I don't know. They, they, present it in a way that is really easy to understand because you don't necessarily need to know who these gods are to understand what is going on. Um, because they, they made it very human and very relatable. You don't know, I don't know what God her boss is who's firing her. And, you know, they mentioned that she was in charge of death so I could fill in the pieces. But these characters that I'm learning about are, are presented in a way that I don't need to know anything going into it. Um, and I think that's what's cool. Um, I feel like there are a lot of books uh specifically like greek 
mythology that they kind of expect you to know the Greek gods to be able to enjoy it. They're like, oh, you're a fan of Zeus. Here's like a cool interpretation or maybe this is Zeus's son or what have it. But here you you don't need anything to jump into it. And they're not relying off the fact that you uh, have a religious connection to these characters or that you just love uh, the mythology behind any of, of these gods uh, or what have you. They're relying on the story itself and it just happens to be that these are gods and gods that people believe in and people that people read about and love, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I think the comparison to Greek mythology is really interesting because like you said earlier in the show, so many polytheistic religions rely on distinct personalities to differentiate the gods. And so I think Ram V in this book, while they specifically didn't name the goddess of death, because there are many goddesses of death in Hindu religion. So they're like, we're going to make our own like amorphous one. But they gave her such a distinct personality and look that we very quickly knew what her whole deal was. And I think they did a great job. I mean, they flashed to the god of taxes in the fifth issue, and I immediately knew who it was because of an offhanded reference at the beginning of the book. Mm -hmm. So I think Ramvi does a great job of only giving us what's important so we don't get lost in the details. Oh, that's a good way to put it. You know, I don't know much about Christianity mytho. I just realized. Isn't that I don't funny? Think... I grew up in Western culture. Yeah. I've got a lot of thoughts about the Christian myth, but yeah, we don't Dal- need to go into all of that. <laughs> what a- Dallas has taught me a lot. About, um, about Christianity? Christian mythos, yeah. That was oh, like... Yeah. That is his his cup of tea. Oh. He will break it down that is for you. Literally, his college major, and he will go on a tangent. That's actually pretty cool. I don't know anything about it. Um, my dad's a Buddhist. Uh, my mom roll. works at a Jewish temple, so Exciting. rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think. Oh. No, I think going off of if we're going to open a tiny rabbit hole, I think. What's so interesting, again, with polytheism has such distinct personalities. I think the solution that many early Christian religions came up with was to make their single God undefinable. Yeah. It's like if all of his traits are too great to understand, then we don't have to like nail down what he is. Like if you have hundreds of gods, you can nail down like this one's for this, this one's for this. But if you need one guy to cover everything, then he's got to be pretty broad and not understandable. And so it's interesting, like 300 years after Jesus dies, he is the central religious figure for this massive religion, but they don't want to nail down any of his attributes anymore because they need him broad enough to apply to everybody. And so I think that bleeds into a lot of our interpretations of stuff like if we're talking about death specifically with this, like the Grim Reaper doesn't have a very strong personality or when he does, it's like a funny thing like Billy and Mandy, right? Oh, are you guys reading Grim by chance from Boom? I am. Yeah, that's good. It's I'm also fine. So Stephanie Phillips. So good. Oh, yeah. She wrote Harley Quinn before, right? Yep. She's still on that. I thought she was going to be leaving the book, but the solicits still have her on it. So I have no idea what the situation there is. Yeah. The Grim is a cool uh, take on the afterlife for, you know, everybody listening. 
That's, that's a good one from Boom Studios as well. I love what Boom is doing. I, I think the concept of the after, afterlife is it's just so fun. There's so much to do with it because, you know, this, as you said earlier, your relationship with death is a lot to do with where you grew up and what you believe in. And it's so, there's so many different ways to read about it. Um, and Grim is like a really classic, like Western Grim Reaper kind of afterlife one, which is fun. It's like a fun take on it, but it's cool to see all the different aspects of death throughout different cultures. And uh, I like this book. <laughs> uh, if you liked this, Sammy, and you like all that, I you do. should check out. You should check out Carmen. The image did Carmen. last year. K a r m e n. I think you would really. Oh, this sounds really familiar. Yeah, it was from Gillum March. It's a oh, French yeah, no, comic. Yeah. yeah, it's really fun. It's like red and black on the cover, right? Yes. Yep. It's pretty. I've seen it. Oh, the yeah. Grim Reaper has pink hair. Uh, it's a good time. No one's. Some people don't have clothes in that book, but it's tasteful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, does anyone have anything else to say about that? Or do we want to get on to the very fun bonus question? If we were in a comic, how would we want to die? Wait, can I ask Alexis one thing before we move mm-hmm. on? Yeah, yeah. Alexis, you are a big fan of Laura Olympus. Mm-hmm. Which, it's my understanding, is about the Greek gods, oh, uh, right? I know what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel like Lila Star compares to Lore Olympus and like setting up a pantheon, making you like characters? Um, for me, I feel like Lore Olympus is very much like these are the gods. You know who they are, and they are those characters. And I feel like with Layla Starr, like she is a character outside of the fact that she's a god, which makes it more interesting, if that makes sense. Like the reason I read Lore Olympus is because I know what it is. I know what I'm getting in. I know what I'm here for. And that's why I like it. But Layla Starr was such a like sneaky, fun way to trick me into reading that. (laughs) Like not like in a bad way, but like I didn't realize that it was going to be so much more than that. And so I feel like that's where it kind of differentiates for me a little bit. Okay. I like that. All right. I'll now leave us all alone. How do we want to die in a comic? I love this comic. Ooh. I want to be, I want to be die by vampire bite. And I want to be a vampire forever. I want to, I want a cute gay vampire to bite me. And then I want to, and then I want to not die ever. Is Wait, that too much to ask for? Answer. Wait, are we saying that one of the queer women on this wants to be bit by a vampire? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then I want to be undead. Wait, <laughs> I've never heard of this concept before. Yeah, are no. you telling me? Are you telling me the gays like vampires? The gays, the vampires are the gays. Exactly <laughs> for us. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing yeah. straight about vampires. Like, there's I literally, I literally was just you watching Buffy season not one. Be a little bit gay. No, that that's so freaking true. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> you run out of options at that point. Just the concept, though, of like sharing blood and like being connected, just it's it comes off really queer on screen. Like, <laughs> I was just watching Buffy season one and like the master and his little his little muscle guy. They were like sharing a bond kind of thing, and it was just like really like they were like, it was like wedding vows at that point. Oh yeah, like, it's just yeah, you know what I'm talking about. It's uh, oh yeah. There's, you just, it's not straight. By the way, Car- have you guys read Carmilla? It's a novella. I have not. It, it came out before Dracula, and it's a little, like, 150-page, maybe, novella about WLW vampires. And it uh, resulted in a really 
low budget Canadian web series in the early 2000s. And if anybody know anybody's listening knows, you know, I'm yeah. Wow, I watched the whole thing twice. Can't believe I did that. <laughs> that's that's awesome. That was Carmilla. Yeah, Carm- it's such a tangent. I'm sorry. Um, oh, yeah, no, I that's... love gothic literature. Carmilla, it's so it's really it's so good. Um, classic gothic literature tale. WLW vamps. Wait, Sammy, have you read My Favorite Thing is Monsters? You know what? I was actually just at a comic shop the other day and I saw it. I was like, I like monsters, literally my name. And I was like, this looks like it's drawn on like a spiral line notebook. And I was like, what the heck is this? This is amazing. It's incredible. Can I pitch it to you? Yeah, please. All right. So the artist, she incredibly, incredibly talented artist. She had a stroke. And as part of her physical therapy for herself, she decided to make a comic using only like ballpoint Bic pens. Wow, so I love drawing with ballpoint. I'm I'm an artist, but I don't advertise. But like ballpoint, one of my favorite mediums to use. And I respect it so much. It looks so beautiful. So you'll love, like that whole book is made with ballpoints. I, it basically, oh, oh, she was like, I want to make the book that I couldn't make when I was 10 years old. But like, that's why I want it to look like a spiral bound notebook. That's why I'm going to use only materials that I would have had back then when I was a little girl. And it's a murder mystery that is set in the 30s. I need it. And it's all about how much the author loved monsters as a little girl because they were the only queer representation she could find. Oh, my God. That's so freaking true. Is that why I like monsters? Oh, my God. Um, but she, she's like, the only time I felt like I ever saw myself on the screen was when I was watching those monsters because I was like, oh, there's something inside of them that the people around them aren't going to understand. And there's literally a scene where she's like, I like these vampires. (laughs) And then like her uh, little friend in quotation marks and her like, we like vampires a lot. And then all of a sudden their parents like, you two can't hang out together anymore. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Because it, it's the 30s, but really shattering a lot. Um, that's why I like vampires and monsters because I'm gay. Yeah, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. But wow. I think you'll I dig plug that, that into the calculator. It makes a happy face. Yeah, I love Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. Is it because I'm gay? That makes sense. There's some great Bride literature. Frankenstein rejects him, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to check that out. I want to so badly. Uh, it looks so stunning. It is heartbreaking. There's supposed to be a volume two that I have no idea when it's coming out. So like it very abruptly is just like the end. It's kind of like the the Dune movie where it's like arbitrarily the end. And you're like, what? It's like part two someday. So that does stink, but it's still good enough to check out. I really want to. Thank you for the pitch. Yeah. Um, how do I want to die in a comic book? I want to be dangled over a tub of sharks, upside down, tied up. Nice. I feel like that's the most nice. camp. Can most do you like sharks? I-, I can one up you on that one. I want to be do burned it. alive by a dragon. Shh, by a dragon. Mm-hmm. I just feel badass. like it'd be really warm. Like you might fi- you might finally feel warm enough. Like, oh. <laughs> Just finally warms. Finally, myself. the shower is warm enough. <laughs> oh. You have no idea how true that is. <laughs> oh my god, I shower on the hottest setting. Yep. Oh, you were late. Criminal. I I use all the hot water in this house, and then everybody bitches about it. 
I freaking relate. Like, <laughs> I don't even turn on the cold water faucet sometimes. It's just hot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just got I want- very evil eyes from the couch over there. <laughs> the couch is looking at you. You also see things in couches. Yeah, the significant <laughs> other sitting on the couch is going to kill me over the hot water. <laughs> All right, Anne, how are you getting taken out? Oh, I'm jealous of all of yours they're all wonderful i'm a dramatic bitch so the only way i'm going out in a comic is in a fight with doomsday i'm i'm going out the superman way you gotta have that final stand you're like this is my heroic final moment people are gonna be crying over this issue and i'll be back i'll be back in a year but you know people are gonna get really upset about this one it's gonna sell really high and like you'll miss me when i'm gone so I feel like number one person I know that would sneak back to her own funeral is Anne Brenneman. I a thousand I think about that all the time. Where it's like the yes. I want to see my own funeral so bad. I need to know. I need to know. You're like, who really missed me? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, no, I've got a pitch for my funeral. I would like to be taxidermied. And oh I wanna be st- <laughs> I wanna be stood out front with like a tray for people's keys. <laughs> they put me in a little suit. Then, I will make sure that that happens. And then once I everybody comes you. to sit in, there'll be the casket up front. And they'll be like, was that him up front? <laughs> was that just a weird statue? Did, did your wife a, know about this? No. And it'll be a closed <laughs> casket. And then I'm going to need you, Alexa, secret agent. I want you to string me up in the rafters. <laughs> that taxidermy version of me. And then the Phantom of the Opera. At the finale of the funeral, I want you to release me to swing out over the crowd. <laughs> And Can so we make you like, into pinata? <gasps> maybe. I've also had a thought about maybe just taxiderming the head and the people that are speaking have to hold it like a speaking stick. Oh, no, stop it. <laughs> I can just imagine Tiffany, Tiffany holding your taxidermy head. You guys head. are up there just like kind of like petting my <laughs> the old man youngest hair. sister. <laughs> oh my gosh. Tiffany and That's my plan. So I after I get eaten by the sharks. I hope that you die first out of anybody in the family. I hope mom and dad have to witness that. <laughs> they have to be there for my taxidermy. <laughs> mom and dad Listen, have to be 60 and holding so, your taxidermy head. It's so useful. After, Addison can use me as like decor around the house. <laughs> <laughs> put, you on, put you on a bookshelf after she sells all your comics. <laughs> I mean, that's your head as a centerpiece is one hell of a conversation starter. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's funny. my that's my deceased husband. I don't want to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do we have any final thoughts about Lila Star? I like it. I no. also like it. I love it. Love Oof. this book. Yes. Everyone should check it out. And if you've mm-hmm. listened to this whole episode without reading it, one, what the fuck are you doing? Two, <laughs> go go fix yourself. Go pick up this book and then seek help. Mm-hmm. In Remember that it. order. Yeah, I think it's pretty neat. Let's do our end credit thing. And then, actually, before we do that, Sammy, do you have anything that you want to plug? Or anything, anywhere that people can find you? Um, I'm on TikTok. Uh, Sammy DeMonster. S-A-M-I-D-E Monster. And I have a website called The DeMonster, where we write articles. We're going to be covering LA Comic Con this year. And uh, that's what I do. It's my thing, I guess. Thanks for asking. Yeah, rock and roll. I can attest, Sammy's TikTok is a lot of fun, so check it mm-hmm. out. Thank Love you. It. 
All right, everybody. If you like our show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow our Twitter account while we still have it, at CMX Collective. (laughs) Or you can find our TikTok account where Dallas's cute head is all the time. It's not taxidermied yet, but it's still attached. Um, It's at the Comics Collective. Or you can find each of us at our personal Twitter accounts, at Dallas underscore comics, at Ann Comics, and at Lexi Lou underscore comics. If you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a five-star review. And if you do, we'll read it off on the show. Better yet, tell people in person that you like us. Go to the mail person, your letter carrier at your home. Stop them as they're delivering your mail and say, have you heard of the Comics Collective podcast? They'll be like, what? You'll be like, it's a comic book podcast. You got to listen to it. They just did this episode about Lila Starr. You don't have to read the comic first. Okay. Just go in. They'll be surprised at the end of the show about you. Letter carrier will listen. Then carry the news across the neighborhood to everyone else's letters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. That, so we have a UPS scheme now. That's how we're doing this. It works. Yeah. The P stands for pyramid. <laughs> UPS stands for a pyramid scheme. <laughs> my heels so, oh uh, my gosh and finally feel free to eat i can't talk <laughs> feel free to email us with your questions or comments or concerns i feel like concerns is very valid now <laughs> for the show at the comics collective at gmail.com we'll also accept hopes dreams and fears through that email as well <laughs> and your mother's maiden <laughs> <you laughs> social security number if you email us your fear. fears if you email us your fears <laughs> I'm not sure what I'll do, but we'll I will get it up on the show. <laughs> I guess, and uh, still is scared so, that he'll never amount to anything. Comics is scared of comics. The end. <laughs> Phil is afraid he'll never be able to satisfy his family. <laughs> uh, okay, everybody, but please join us next week for our final episode on Invincible <gasps> drama. Finishing up our invincible. It's also coming out on my birthday, so if you guys don't send me a birthday tweet, I will be sad. (laughs) It's a national holiday. Tears in her eyes. Uh, That's gonna be. It's gonna be a fun episode. Wrapping all this up, insane. It's. I feel like there's gonna be a hole in my soul after we finish this one. (laughs) Four month endeavor down the drain. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, thank you for joining us. All right, everybody. Bye. Bye. See ya. (laughs) 